0: i'm dr renee white and this is the science of motherhood hello and welcome to episode 107 of the science of motherhood i'm your host dr renee white thank you so much for joining me today we have one of our check in tuesday episodes and in running theme with the title of this podcast that science of motherhood we are doing a bit of a dive into some Latest research, which has come out of Spain. It's a publication that was published online, I think it's like a fortnight ago or something, which is great to see more research in women's health. It is published in Nature Neuroscience, so a very, very high profile journal, which is obviously reflective of the amazing research and the quality of research that this team has put out. Now, before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to um, remind everyone that when I am not in front of the microphone sitting here all by myself in Hobart, Australia, (laughs) enjoying the sunshine, I am leading the charge at Fill Your Cup, which is Australia's first biochemist led doula village. Here in Australia, and we have I think it's like 14 15 dollars now across three states Tasmania, New South Wales, and Victoria. We um, essentially nurture and nourish sleep deprived and overwhelmed families after the birth of their babies. So, if you are having a baby or you know someone who's having a baby and you think, that person might need a bit of help or you fall into one of these categories. And these are these are, I guess, our top categories for families that we help out with. The first is obviously those who do not have family and friends close by who can't help out around the home um, after the birth of your baby. We always say call on the village. And a lot of the time I hear people go where the F is the village? (laughs) And so a doula could absolutely be part of your village. Now, if you don't know what a doula does, I would highly encourage you to jump back into um, one of the episodes where I talk about what a doula actually is, and if you need one and why you would need one. And I'm just, oh my God, I'm running down the list. I can't even see it. Oh, here we go. Episode 59. What does a postpartum doula do and why you need one? If you um, have a question around what they are, what we can do, jump back into episode 59. It's a check-in Tuesday, so it's not super long. But I guess in a nutshell, if you're someone who doesn't have friends and family close by and you need someone to support you, you're a first-time parent and you're thinking, holy guacamole, who am I going to actually ask? these questions of, I don't know what I'm doing, my partner doesn't know what they're doing, or we're kind of like, oh yeah, we're kind of winging it, but we don't really know. Reach out, get in contact with us. As I said, we are across three states, Victoria, New South Wales, and Tasmania. Head over to ifillyourcup.com. You can have a look on our website, the different offerings that we provide, We include all of our meals because ain't nobody got time to cook once they've got a newborn baby, I can assure you. You think you will, but you absolutely just will not, especially when you have a barnacle baby like I did. So we cook meals, we do your laundry, we provide emotional and practical support for you and your partner. It is like having the Mary Poppins for mothers at your house. So if that sounds like your jam, absolutely hit us up head over to the website we would love 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 to chat to you about how we can support you best so let's dive into today's episode as i said it is another amazing research discovery paper oh my goodness it is it's really interesting because being kind of this this is a very hotly debated topic, and it continues to be hotly debated because we just don't have enough research at the moment. It's that classic thing where um, you see those figures where it's like just the tip of the iceberg, but you have no idea how much is actually under the water. That's what I feel like we are at at the moment when it when we're talking about um the neuroplasticity of women's brains um, during pregnancy and postpartum. And again, you'll see in this paper that it is a hotly debated subject and the group from Spain decided, okay, let's just get down to business and work out exactly what is going on. Um, so a lot of the time we have uh, been looking at changes in the structure of a mother's brain and what we do know is that from the moment of conception a woman's brain starts to remodel and it remodels essentially to gear up for pregnancy birth and postpartum and there has been some controversy around different results from different studies um, typically what we've seen and there's been some really great seminal studies around mri imaging um, scanning mother's brains before and after their first pregnancy to kind of determine what the changes in structural physiology there are and i think this is one of the really important things when i was reading this paper they made a note and this is something that you need to do in science when you're publishing your results is after you you know write out your results and and then you discuss them you always always and this is uh, i guess an indicator of great research you always need to write down the limitations you need to let the the reader know what what are the things that you kind of hadn't hadn't been able to cover or something that you're going to explore next time in in your studies and so one of the great things that they spoke about in this paper was the fact that they are just merely looking at MRI um, scans of mother's brains there wasn't an in-depth analysis around changes in cell types or Biochemistry or immunology, any of those kind of factors, hormonal factors, things like that. So I think that's the caveat here to just really focus on the fact that this is just structural. And obviously, the authors, I think, would definitely dive into that kind of more micro level um, later on. But as I said, there has been some controversy in this particular subject area. And, you know, there have been prospective longitudinal MRI um, study scanning mothers before and after first pregnancy and they have found that cortical volume reductions in regions of the what's called the default mode network they have remained after after pregnancy and and birth and when I'm talking about the cortical volume it's 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 the grey matter in the brain. So, a bunch of studies have said, okay, once you become pregnant, that grey matter starts to reduce. Now, conversely, there have been some studies that show, again, MRI, so it's looking at structure, scanning across the postpartum period, so after birth, they've actually reported an opposite trajectory in that that gray matter increases across multiple brain networks, which include this default mode network. So you're probably wondering, Renee, what's the default mode network? Well, I am going to tell you. <laughs> so I like to think of it as, and I have I've written about this in Life After Birth, which I contributed a section of in the chapter. It's a great book if you're interested in learning more about i guess pregnancy and, and postpartum but the default mode network it's it's essentially a key system for self-referential kind of processing and social cognition so i like to think of it in the sense that we are leveling up as as mothers and things like you'll get an increase in emotional intelligence in empathy in facial recognition like I've banged on about this so many times in other podcasts. It's the reason why, as mothers, we just stare at our babies. And have you heard that? Have you heard people who are just like, I could just stare at them all day? It's because we are taking in all of their changes, all of their facial movements. And the reason behind that is the fact that, obviously, our babies cannot communicate to us in in a language english or whatever language that you speak it's just babbling and crying and so we need to be fine tuning our brain in order to pick up what it is that they need to survive essentially as an evolutionary mechanism that is what we should be doing so that is what this study is looking at it's looking at the changes in gray matter is the volume going up is it going down and what part of like the gray matter is actually you know going up and going down now this study was and this is why it's in nature neuroscience it's the largest study of its kind over 110 women were included in the study and they in fact did a replication sample of 29 women and so they compared what they call in science terms nulliparous women so those who are not pregnant as controls with pregnant women and scans so the mri scans were done um, in late pregnancy and early postpartum period so one of the things that they wanted to know in this study was whether the type of birth actually changed the trajectory or the increase in the cortical volume of a mother's brain and what they found was that yes those studies who showed that there was a decrease in um, gray matter in the brain from pregnancy through to birth so that was actually confirmed but what they wanted to know was does the type of birth actually affect the trajectory afterwards in postpartum? And is that actually a thing? Is that the inflection point of where things start to change? And it was really interesting. So they looked at women who went into spontaneous labour and had a vaginal birth, those women who went into spontaneous labour and had an emergency C-section, and those who didn't go into spontaneous labour and had an elective caesarean. And so what they found was when they were comparing the um, grey matter trajectory between mothers who initiated birth versus those who had a scheduled C-section and therefore did not initiate labour, the mothers who had a scheduled C-section displayed a larger global increase in cortical volume thickness and surface area compared to those mothers who initiated labor now interestingly those mothers who initiated labor there were no significant differences between the gray matter change between women who delivered vaginally and those who had an emergency c-section which is really really interesting and so that would suggest that there's something going on in the brain which is I guess triggered by those those kind of pregnancy events now what is it around these pregnancy events you're probably thinking okay there's obviously like a full cascade of of things that that happen um and it's it's really really interesting because I'm gonna read from the paper as well because I think it's really important that we kind of explore this so they were saying that and this is I guess one of those discussion points that pregnancy induced brain changes have been really widely argued to prepare for you know motherhood that's it's another one of those kind of checkpoints where your body goes, okay, a baby's coming, we need to like gear up and be ready to like let this baby survive and look after it. So, however, brain adaptations in mothers may also be necessary for childbirth itself, not just the postpartum. So, you know, you may be familiar with the fact that labor comprises you know phases of dilation expulsion and then the placental stage and it's a really really unique event in a woman's life where there's a whole array of hormonal immunological and physiological um, changes so as they describe in the paper during the first stage of labor that is dilation you know there's Kind of what's called pro inflammatory signals are released. And that's combined with the effects of hormones like estrogen, um, prostaglandins, oxytocin, which we know um, help trigger the uterus to contract. And then you get, you know, cervical dilation and, you know, rupturing of the fetal membranes. And so although they couldn't test this categorically because you know women were in labor and it's not part of the study what they were suggesting is that it is possible that women experiencing at least the first stage of labor may undergo further cortical reductions or gray matter reductions reaching a lower cortical volume before reversing that trajectory so what they were showing was that the gray matter in our brains is reduced um, and then those women who experienced no spontaneous labor so had an elective cesarean they actually i guess had they went back up to let's say normal level of gray matter it didn't quite rebound back to a non-pregnant person but the trajectory was almost you don't want to say faster but they got they did get there quicker (laughs) let's just say that so they had a thicker kind of gray matter than those who experienced spontaneous labor now the other caveat that they put in the paper and i think this is something that's really important because we always hear you know natural labor, natural birth versus elective cesarean. And I, for one, am a mama who had an elective cesarean because of mental health challenges. And it doesn't matter what birth you have, it's your birth and you get to do it however you like. And it's, I think it's really important and um, very good of the authors to actually put in that the results emphasize the necessity to further investigate the neural effects of childbirth and do not imply that the scheduled caesarean is detrimental to uh, maternal neuroplasticity so i think that's really really important to note this paper is essentially just telling us that depending on the birth that we have depending on the triggers hormonal, immunological, physiological, depending on what happens in our body, it's going to have a cascade effect on our brain. We don't know yet what that means and what the long-term effects are, if any. But what it does tell us is that there are changes and that, you know, this is something that is worth exploring more, which is... Essentially, the reason why we do science, which is amazing. So, yes, I think it's a really cool paper. Although it doesn't have like this, as I said, this groundbreaking thing where, you know, we can then go on and make kind of further hypotheses about things and, and, you know, we've got a final answer about anything. I think it's a really good foundation again demonstrating that our bodies are so clever oh my goodness how clever are they regardless of what birth you have you still have that change that remodel in your brain from conception from conception your brain starts to remodel and gears you up levels you up for the birth of your baby they just have seen a difference a little change in how we have that reflective point of increasing that grey matter again postpartum depending on whether we have a spontaneous labour or an elective caesarean. So I think it's really interesting. It's going to be again a tip of an iceberg kind of study. It's going to lead to so many new things. I'm super super excited to see where this is going to lead to so yes until next time thanks for tuning in bye